hey, Rocky Peak, Merry Christmas to you. Michael here, uh, one of the pastors, and if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I look forward to doing that in the near future. But I'm really excited about our time of teaching today. We're gonna be wrapping up this series that we've been in the last six weeks called The Blessing. And so if you haven't uh, already downloaded your note sheet, which in ever, whatever format you prefer, I encourage you to do that uh, now as we, uh, we jump into this, uh, this weekend uh, right before Christmas. So let's pray together. So, Father, we're just so thankful to be here uh, as your people in your name, gathered under your leadership. And, Lord, we just pray the Holy Spirit would just be uh, heavy in this uh, place. You'd be, you'd be hovering over us, overshadowing us, uh, calling forth new life in this Christmas season. And so I pray that as we open your word now, that you'd speak loud and clear. And that, as always, we would be quick to, to trust you, to believe, and then to follow whatever you show us. And we pray it in your name. Amen. Well, our story starts today um, late at night. And uh, after dinner, she excused herself and she went, she said she wanted to go to bed early. But the reality was, as she headed for her room, she wasn't really that tired. It's just she, she felt like she needed some space, some time alone to think, to pray about what the future might hold. But now it's late at night. Uh, several hours have passed but she's unable to go to sleep. As she lies there in a bed, she can hear the deep rhythmic breaths of her parents in the room next door. Uh, but though she's laid here for hours, she's wide awake. And the reason is this conversation that she had earlier in the day, it keeps playing over and over in her mind, wondering what it means. At this point, she's not told anyone about the conversation. She's not even told, confided in her family. But honestly, she's not sure how much longer she can keep it to herself and hold it in before it springs forth and who knows what's gonna happen as a result of that. And so she lies there in her bed. She thinks what would be great is just to get away, to get away from it all to go somewhere where I can process and think. It'd be so awesome if I had someone that I, I knew loved me, that trust me, might understand to share this with. And as she laid there on her bed, thinking about that, all of a sudden the thought came and it was perfect. In that moment, she knew exactly what she needed to do. She knew where she needed to go, who she needed to see. Well, today as we, uh, we, uh, the weekend before Christmas, uh, we, we come into Christmas week. Uh, today we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in the last six weeks that's called The Blessing, God's Pursuit of His People. And if you're brand new here at Rocky Peak, and I know every week we have new people joining us, that if you're new, I wanna welcome you. And the, the key idea, the core idea of this whole series is that when you look, stand back from the story of the Bible, that one way to describe it is the story of the blessing. It's a story of how we were created by God to live in relationship with him, how we were created to be like him, how we were created to rule over creation for him. But because of our rebellion as a race, to a large degree, we lost that blessing. And the story of the Bible is telling is how God is pursuing us, each of us in our life, to restore that blessing. And today on this, this weekend before Christmas, I wanna do a case study of the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
to see what we can learn from her about what it takes to experience the blessing in our life. So if you have your Bibles, you have your apps, let's go ahead and open up and turn on to Luke chapter one. There in your note sheet is a section called The Blessing, The Story. And uh, while I, I set it up, um, while you're turning there, let me, let me set it up. So about six months before this event that we're about to read, uh, the, the Lord sent uh, an angel to meet a man and take a very special message. Uh, this man's name was Zechariah. He was a priest, he was an old man. He's married to his wife who is an old lady. Her name is Elizabeth. Uh, they've been married for a long time, their whole lives, but they, they have never been able to have children. They've suffered with infertility. And uh, so on this particular day, uh, Zechariah has traveled to Jerusalem every year he would go to Jerusalem from the middle of the country, from the hill country of Judea. He would travel to Jerusalem by himself, and there he would serve a two-week two rotation with fellow priests. The way the temple would work is there was a couple thousand every month would rotate in to serve at the temple. So this was his week, kind of like army reserve or something. This was his week to serve. But on this particular day, he's going to be chosen for a high and holy honor. Because every day uh, in the morning sacrifice was offered outside the temple, that uh, there would be a priest chosen by lot to go into the temple itself where rarely anyone could go and to offer incense to symbolize the prayers of the people outside praying at the hour of sacrifice. And so on this particular day, he is chosen by lot. Now this is a high honor. You could go through your entire life as a priest and never be chosen. But this was God's timing. And so on this day as he's in the temple burning the incense, all of a sudden an angel appears to him. His name is Gabriel. Now you need to know this, that angels were no more common, angel sightings were no more common then than now. Sometimes we think angels were showing up all the times in the Bible, but they're actually very rare. And so the, the angel shows up and he gives him a message. And the message is, is that that he and his wife, when he goes home from his uh, priestly duty, that he and his wife are going to have a child. They're gonna have a little boy. His name is gonna be John. We will know him as John the Baptist. And this child will grow up to be a mighty prophet in Israel and he will prepare the nation for the coming of the Lord. Now, this is a huge promise. And when Gabriel first delivers the promise, uh, Zechariah is skeptical. He's not sure he believes it. And so the angel says, I'm gonna help you believe it. I'll give you a sign. And here's my sign. You are not gonna be able to talk until this child is born. And for that, from that moment on over the next nine months, he's not gonna be able to speak. But sure enough, he goes home and uh, he and his wife sleep together. And lo and behold, uh, that she comes up pregnant. And so we are now six months into that pregnancy, coming to the end of the second trimester as the story unfolds for us today. So if you have your Bibles, your apps, we're gonna pick up the story at chapter one and verse 26. So in verse 26, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's, uh, Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy, we just, she's the wife of the priest, God's gonna send the angel Gabriel on his second very kind of epic mission. The reason these stories of angels are in here because the story of the Bible, these are major chapters in, uh, the, in, in kind of the division of the, of the story God is telling. 
And so uh, uh, in the sixth month of her pregnancy, God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Uh, It's a very small town. Archaeologists tell us probably 200 people live there, very small. It was in the north of the country in the province we call Galilee. And he was sent to a virgin who was pledged to be married, which is a way of saying she was betrothed, uh, similar to our engagement, but much higher level of commitment, to uh, a man named Joseph who is a descendant of David. And of course, that's important because the Messiah is gonna come from the line of David. And he says the virgin's name was Mary. So this angel comes to her and he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. And then he says something very important. He says, the Lord, the Lord is with you. Now on the surface, this might not seem like much, but trust me, this is a big statement. This is almost code language in the nation of Israel. I mean, when God called Abraham, we're told, and the Lord was with Abraham. When God appeared to to Jacob, we're told that the Lord was with Jacob and then prospered him. When Moses led the nation of Israel out out of Egypt, he said, Lord, if you don't go with us, it's not worth going. And the Lord said, I will go with you. When Joshua was ready to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land, the Lord appeared to him and said, I will be with you. When Gideon was called to lead Israel against the Midianites, the the angel said to him, Gideon, the Lord is with you. When David went to fight Goliath, the Lord was with him. This is almost code language. It's, It's Bible code language. When the Lord is with you, who can be against you? It's what often God says at critical points in in the lives of his servants when something big is happening, that he is with them and they can trust that and he is going to bless them. And so when the angel says to Mary, the Lord is with you, this triggers something in her mind. And she says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. In the Greek, it says that she was stirred up like a, like a tempest in a storm. She was agitated, perplexed. What, is, what does this mean for an angel to say, the Lord is with you? These ancient words that he spoke over so many of their leaders in the past. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. And of course, she was probably scared to death. You have found favor with God. You're, you're under his blessing. Here's what's gonna happen. You're going to conceive. You're gonna give birth to a son and you're gonna call him Jesus, which means Yahweh is salvation. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And as the angel is speaking, I want you to imagine the shock, the awe that Mary is experiencing. This is a fulfillment of the ancient promise a thousand years ago that one day that King David would have a greater son whose reign would never end. It's the promise of the Messiah. And as he begins to spell out this promise, it's getting clearer and clearer. And when he gets to this point, it's absolutely clear who he's talking about. In verse 33, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants, over the nation of Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And what we're gonna see today is that the moment the angel says this, in spite of what an incredible epic promise it was, in spite of how unlikely it was that an angel would be appearing to her, a young teenage girl in the backwaters of the Roman Empire in a small insignificant town in a time of national oppression by Rome, as unlikely as it was, we're gonna see that she 
believed. She trusted. God had sent her a message. She believed it. Her only question was, how is this going to work out logistically, given that I'm a virgin? And so he said, how will this be, asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And he said, well, and he's going to use language from the book of Genesis, from Genesis 1, where the Spirit of God hovers over the creation and calls forth beautiful things. He says, well, the, angel, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Right, see, when he, when he starts giving her the promise that you're gonna have this son and you're gonna call his name Jesus and he's gonna be the son of the most high and he's gonna read a kingdom, I'm sure in her mind she's wondering how's this gonna work? I mean, I'm not married yet. Very likely she was thinking uh, this is gonna be great news. Joseph and I are gonna have a son. But she gets more than, she's bargained, than she bargained for because what he says is no, this birth is gonna be unique. It's gonna be unlike any birth in the history of the human race. This birth is not gonna have a human father. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and your conception is going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then just to encourage her, he says, even Elizabeth, remember Elizabeth? Elizabeth, the wife of Zechariah, the, the woman who's never been able to have a child. She's now in her old age, but now she's six months pregnant. Like Abraham and Sarah giving birth in Israel to start the nation of Israel at the very beginning, that's happening again in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And apparently Mary knows this. And she says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. What everyone said was impossible. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. And then I love this. For no word from God will ever fail. If God says it, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen None of his promises ever fall short. He's never said a lie in all, his, in all eternity. He only speaks the truth. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. And now I want you to watch how Mary responds. In the midst of her fear, in the midst of her confusion, in the midst of her perplexity, in the, fix, in the, in the face of a lack of clarity and unanswered questions, her or, or immediate response is, yes, Lord. Jesus, her son, would later teach us to pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was her response. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life. So her immediate response was, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to be May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And this takes us back to the story we started the day. This young woman sitting at the dinner table asking to be excused early, going to her room. Not because she wanted to go to sleep, but because she needed time to think, needed time to pray. And as the night goes on, she's unable to sleep. Long after her parents have gone to sleep nearby, she's reflecting on this conversation that she had with the angel that day. What, is this, what, the, what will this mean? What will it mean when she shares it? Where is the story gonna end up? And as she's lying there in bed, of course, this is my part of the historical reconstruction, but 
as she's lying there, she has an idea in her mind. I need to get away. I need to go to, to someplace far from here. I need to get away from home. And I need to think and I need to pray. I need to process with someone who would understand me. And in that moment, it's Elizabeth that comes to mind, this, this aged relative of hers. If anyone could understand an appearance by an angel, if anyone will believe that her story is true, if anyone can understand what it's like to be supernaturally expecting, it will be Elizabeth. And so at that time, Mary gets ready and she hurries to a town in the hill country of Judea where she enters Zechariah's home and she greets Elizabeth. We'll come back and look at that greeting later. But it's an amazing passage as Mary receives this, this unprecedented visit this unprecedented message by an angel that she used to be the mother of the Messiah. And what I want to do today in this Christmas weekend as we're wrapping up this series is I want to highlight two principles about what it takes to live under the blessing of God that Mary, she models so beautifully. And then come back at the end as we wrap up this series and ask two final questions as we put the bow on this series, we, so we can take it with us into our future and live in the blessing of God in our lives. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called the blessing, the principles. So let's jump in. The first principle that, that Mary models so well for us is that the blessing is for those who believe. That if we want to walk in the blessing of God, the blessing of God comes to those who believe, those who trust him. And of course, we've seen this all through this series, and this goes all the way back to the beginning of our story in the garden. This is how we lost the blessing. We lost the blessing by when we stopped trusting that God was good. We stopped trusting he was wise. We stopped trusting that he was looking out for our best. We stopped trusting that he keeps his promises. We stopped pr trusting that he always tells the truth. That's how we got in this mess. And so how do we begin to be restored and walk in the blessing as we, we begin to trust him again? And you see this in Mary's life. It's why I pointed this out as we went through this passage that, that when the angel comes, his message is epic. Sometimes I wish when I read the Bible, when I teach the Bible, I wish that there was a way we could pull off the historical blinders and go back and experience what it was like to be there. We're so used to the idea of Mary and the angel that it just becomes part of our, our worldview, part of the story we believe. But I think it's so hard for us to understand how unlikely this was at the time. Israel had been waiting for a Messiah for a thousand years. I mean, think about that. That takes us almost back to like a thousand, uh, uh, 1100 AD. They've been waiting for this Messiah. In the last 400 years, things have gone mostly from bad to worse. They're now under the power of Rome. She's a poor girl. She doesn't live in Jerusalem. She doesn't live in a palace where you expect a king to be born. She, she lives in the backwaters of the Roman Empire. She lives in a little village of a couple hundred people. She's a poor peasant girl. And yet when this angel comes with this epic promise, this epic announcement that you've been chosen out of all the women in the last thousand years, out of all the women is Israel, you have been chosen 
to be the mother of the Messiah, the one who will come and establish the eternal kingdom. I want you to catch, she doesn't flinch. She doesn't question. Unlike Zechariah, it's like, I'm not so sure I believe this. We're too old. She believes in spite of the fact that she's not even married yet. She believes even when the angel says, you're going to have a supernatural birth by the power of the Holy Spirit without having normal relationships with a man. And yet, she believes. And I believe this is one of the reasons why Mary, as we'll see today, lived under the blessing. In fact, this is exactly what Elizabeth says. Remember, Elizabeth, her relative, cousin, aunt, whatever it was, but her cousin, her, her cousin Elizabeth, has been pregnant now for six months. And remember, during that time, her husband has not said a word. Now, for some of you wives, that might sound good. I'm not so sure. But she's, for the last six months, her husband sits there reading the Jerusalem Times, watching uh, gladiator fights and CNN, whatever he's doing. And he cannot speak a word. And she knows it's because he didn't believe. This is the sign. You don't believe me? Okay, let me give you a sign. This will help. And in contrast to that, this young teenage girl was so quick to believe. And so there in your note sheet, we'll move on in the passage we were reading before. So at that time, Luke 1, at that time Mary got ready and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. This is what we read before. Where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth, of course her relatives. And catch this, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, that's John the Baptist, who's gonna be the forerunner of Jesus, the baby lapped in the womb. Let me just do a quick sidebar here. I don't wanna spend a lot of time on it, it's not the point of this message, but I want you to catch as we read through this encounter how pro-life the Bible is. You know, in Psalm 139, it says that before, uh, before, uh, while we were being formed in our mother's womb, that the Lord knew us, that he was shaping us in our mother's womb, that every day of our life was written in his book before there was one of them. We see another passage here where notice that Luke doesn't say the fetus jumped in the room, but the baby jumped in the room. We're gonna see more as we go through this passage. But I just wanna point this out, that as followers of Jesus, it's so important that we are pro-life. We are for life and that we, we protect the unborn in our culture. Uh, we fight for their rights. But the, the passage goes on. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, like the prophets of old, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she begins to prophesy. And look what she says about Mary. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, what's that first word? Blessed, blessed. That's the topic of this series. Why was Mary blessed? Let's see. Blessed are you among women and blessed is a child you'll bear. Blessed are you, your mother of the Messiah. Blessed is a child, the Messiah that will be born. But then he goes on and, she, and says, blessed is she who has what? Who has believed 
what the Lord had fulfilled her promises. I don't know if Zechariah was sitting there in the chair when she said this, but he had not been quick to believe. Mary was quick to believe. And this is what we've seen all through this series, that if we want to live under the blessing of God, it starts with faith. It starts with faith that God is good, that he loves us, that he's for us, not against us, that he's pursuing us, that he is powerful, that he's wise, there's a plan for our life, he knows what's best, and he'll always keep the promises. We've seen this all the way through. We've seen how Abraham trusted God and then, laid, and, and then left, uh, le- left his homeland to go to a land where God was showing. We've seen how, how Jacob trusted in God. We've seen how Moses has trusted in God. We've seen how Joshua trusted in God. We've watched how David has trusted in God over and over again. We've seen that there is this organic relationship between the blessing and faith, trusting. It's the first step. In fact, later in the New Testament, there'll, be, there'll come a very famous chapter. We call it the faith chapter. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. And when we get to verse six, this is what the author of Hebrews says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists, first of all, And then secondly, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That he's a good God and that if we seek him, we trust him, we follow him, that we will be blessed, right? So this is where it starts. That Mary Mary illustrates this important principle that if we wanna live under the blessing, it starts with, with faith, with trusting that God is good, he's wise, he's powerful, he has a vision, he's out to bless us and that we can trust him to carry out his word in our lives because his word never fails. Now, number two, the second principle that Mary models for us is the blessing is for those who obey. So what we see is that Mary didn't just believe in the angel, that because she believed, she was willing to obey. And this is what we see all through the Bible, that biblical faith always leads to action, that if we trust God, we will listen and follow him. In fact, if we say that we trust him, but we don't obey him, we're only, as we'll see later, deceiving ourselves. And so you see this in Mary, that not only was she quick to believe what the angel told her, even though it was epic announcement that was the last thing she'd be expecting to hear, she was quick to believe. We also see she was very quick to obey. And I pointed this out as we went through the passage, but I I put it there in your note sheet again. This was her response. They said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Her first response, in spite of the lack of clarity, in spite of the fear, in spite of the unanswered questions, in spite of the high social costs that she was going to pay, that she was quick not just to believe what he said, but to surrender her life to his, his purpose, to, to quick to not just believe, but to receive his will for her life, to obey And this was not an easy assignment. I'm sure many of you have thought about this, but if we look back today, 
um, that we often think of Mary as such a blessed person. I mean, she gets to be the mother of the Messiah. And there's no question it was a tremendous blessing as we've seen. But it was also a blessing that came with high cost. We don't know all the details of her life, but we know in that culture that sexual purity was highly prized. And that if you were betrothed to a man, uh, you were expected to be a virgin. And if you weren't, you would have been considered to have committed adultery legally in Israel with, every, with all kinds of punishments that would come, possibly even a stoning in some situations. And so to, to accept this calling from God in her life, on the one hand, tremendous high honor, but on another, is gonna open her up to kind of social shame, really perhaps for the rest of her life. And you can see this because we know from the, the, gospel, the, Matthew, uh, the, the account of this event in Matthew's gospel that when her fiance, Joseph, heard about this, his first response was to, quote, divorce her quietly. So in Israel, when you're betrothed, it's actually considered a legal marriage, even though you haven't yet moved in or had sexual relations you're considered technically married, and if you break it, you have to get divorced. So even, even Joseph, her fiance, was not buying the story until an angel of God appeared to him in a dream and told him the story is true, and then he was willing to obey. But Mary is going to have to live with this her whole life, and yet in spite of that, she is so willing to trust in the goodness of God and to say yes, whatever he asked her to do. And this is why she became blessed. You know, it's interesting because later on, of course, Jesus will grow up, he launches his ministry. And early on, he's starting to get very popular. You know, he's healing the sick. He's this amazing teacher. People, the crowds are coming, they're singing his praises. And there was a woman in the, uh, in the crowd, she's just you know, like, a, like a, a big fan, a big time fan of Jesus. And she calls out while he's teaching, blessed is the woman that gave birth to you and nursed you. You know, how blessed it would be to be the mother of the Messiah. But it's really interesting what Jesus said in response. And I put it there on your note sheet. Remember the topic on the table is the path to blessing. And, and Luke 11, it says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed, there's our word, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. But notice what Jesus says in response, and here's, here we see uh, the gospel, the message of the blessing coming out. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and what? Obey it. He said the real blessing is for those who hear the word and obey it. And so as we look at the life of Mary, why she was so highly favored, why she was honored, why she was chosen for this, why Elizabeth would describe her as the blessed one, why she would describe herself as the blessed one, is because Mary is modeling these two principles, that if we wanna walk under the blessing, that the first step is to believe, to trust, and the second step is to obey. And this leads to the path of blessing. Now, this leads to a couple of questions as we wrap up this series for, uh, wrap up this entire series. 
We take the whole series, we wrap it up, put a bow on it, get it ready for, for Christmas. And there in your note sheets is a section called The Blessing, two key questions. They're very simple questions. But they're questions I hope that you will reflect on in your life as we wrap up this series and move into the future. And the question, the first question is, are you ready to believe? What we've seen in this series is that when you boil it all down, that those who walk in the blessing are those who trust in God. That unlike our our first parents in the garden who got off track by trusting in the goodness, the wisdom, the motives of God, the power that we begin to come under the blessing when we begin to trust that the story that God is telling us is true, that he is good, that he is incredibly smart, that he loves us, he's for us, not against us, he's has all power, he's got a vision for our lives, he's pursuing us, each of us, to bless us, and that he'll always keep his promises, even when he asks us to do the hardest things. And so the question is, do you believe that? Because the extent to which we believe that will determine the extent to which we listen and follow. And of course, that's what will lead to the blessing. And that leads to the second question. And the second question is, are you ready to obey? So we've seen today that faith, and, uh, that, that faith and obedience are the flip side of the same coin biblically. Those who trust, obey. Those who obey, trust. There's an organic relationship. If we truly believe God, we will listen and follow. And so, what we've seen throughout this series is that God desires to bless us, but this blessing is not automatic. I mean, how many times have I said that in this series? We saw it way back week three, we talked about, or week two, the power of choice. We talked about Deuteronomy 30, I, I set before you life and death, blessing and curse, so choose life that you and your children might live. We talked about it week three. We talked about the path of wisdom. There's a path of wisdom and the path of the fool. The path of wisdom leads to life and blessing. The path of the fool uh, leads to destruction and to death. Over and over again, we've seen this, that there's a, a choice before us. And so the question is, are you ready to obey? Are you ready to trust God? In, and I don't just mean in generic terms, but are you ready to trust him in these different areas of your life? Do you want to live under the blessing? Do you, do you trust him with your parenting? And if so, do you believe what he says when he says that a child left to himself will disgrace his mother? We live in a, a culture that always wants to say yes to our kids and always praise them no matter what. And yet the book of Proverbs says over and over again that, that disciplining our child is what we do if we love them. This is what God does with us. Do you believe that? Do you believe what God does? The, the, uh, the Bible talks so much about our finances, about giving generous, generosity to his kingdom and the poor. Do you believe that? Are you living that out? The Bible is so big on the absolute priority of sexual purity. Do you believe that? Are you, are you trusting God? Are you setting your life that you will be blessed if you do that? 
Over and over again, the Bible calls us to forgiveness, not revenge. It calls us to love and not hate. It calls us to integrity, not duplicity. It calls us to lay down our life for others and to serve sacrificially. It calls us to lay down our life in obedience to our king, even the hardest thing, and we'll be blessed. Do you believe that? And the way you can tell is whether you obey when the, when the issue is on the line. You know, in James chapter one, James says something very profound about blessing, about the path of blessing. Remember, James was the brother of Jesus, the half-brother, so Mary was the mother of them both, but of course, a different father. Joseph would have been the father of James. So James had grown up with Jesus. He'd grown up under Mary. And they had both modeled this principle so well that true faith always leads to obedience. And when he writes his letter to us in James chapter one, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And you say, well, how can we deceive ourselves if we're reading the Bible? Like, like what would that look like? Well, this is what it would look like. When we read the Bible and we like the Bible and we love to hear the Bible, we love to hear the Bible taught, but we don't obey the word. That's when we're deceiving ourselves. Sometimes it's easy to think if we like it and we're listening that we're following. James says, don't deceive yourselves. He said, do what it says. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. I love it. He calls the word the perfect law that gives freedom. It leads to life. Remember what Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. He says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, what the word has said, but doing it, they will be what? They'll be blessed in what they do. And so Mary models in this final weekend the path of blessing. What does it look like to live under the blessing of God? It looks like, first of all, trusting. Trusting that he's good, that he loves us, he's for us, not against us. He would never tell us anything that would hurt us in the long run. He will only call us to the things that will make our lives better, this life in the light of eternity. That he's completely powerful and he will always keep his promise. Not one word will ever fail. It starts by trusting and what he's told us and as a result, because we believe that we obey then as we do, we live under the blessing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this amazing journey that we've been on through your word, the story of the blessing. Uh, when, you, when you boil it all down and you wrap it all up, there's many ways of saying it, but what we've seen today is it, it comes back to do we trust you and will we obey you? And that when we do, when we trust and obey, we come under the blessing in our lives. And Father, we thank you so much for Mary and for her beautiful model she gave to us, gave to James, gave to Jesus as they were growing up, that this indeed is a path to blessing. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.